Howdy, everyone, and thank you again for tuning in to the Jeffersonian Tradition. Before we get started, I have a couple of things to go over. For now, the podcast is mostly ad-free, and I sure would like to keep it that way. You can help me out with that by becoming a supporting listener. If you find value in the podcast, there's a link in the show notes page that will enable you to contribute to my work and to help keep the podcast going and keep it light on advertising. If you're not comfortable with a recurring contribution model, I've also set up a cash app profile for the show. And one-time contributions can be sent to the show's cash tag, which is dollar sign Mr. Jeffersonian. And all of this information will be listed in the show notes page as well. Any contribution amounts help and thank you in advance to anyone who chooses to pitch in. And for my supporters, I recently introduced an exclusive tier for y'all, and it's called Mr. Jeffersonian's Ward Republic. Perks of being a supporting listener currently include one video call with me and the other Ward Republic members each month, and up to 40 minutes each call. It's a great atmosphere, and we'd love to have you there. All you need to do to become a member of the Ward Republic is start contributing today at the $4.99 per month level through the Anchor link, or if you'd rather go through Cash App, then you can round it up to $5 per month. Um, essentially, as long as it comes out to $60 per year, you're, you're going to be covered. And speaking of groups, if you aren't on MeWe yet, then seriously, what are you waiting for? Unlike a certain other social media platform, MeWe respects the right to free speech and offers a privacy bill of rights. So if you'd like to be a member there, then download the MeWe app and search for me at the username Mr. Jeffersonian. And just for basic group level access, I'm always going to keep that free. So if you can't afford to contribute, that's perfectly fine. You can still come into the group, see what we're discussing over there. We'd love to have you. The show group is private, so we must be contacts before I can send you that group invite. And if you're not familiar with MeWe's platform, contacts are the same as being friends on Facebook. With all of that fun stuff out of the way, let's now turn our attention to the topic for today's episode. All right, so today we're going to talk about a situation that's beginning to rear its ugly head in the state of Florida with at least one landlord telling his tenants to either get the jab or be evicted. Before we get started, though, I have what I consider to be a major show announcement. On Tuesday, October 5th, 2021, the show reached 100 plays in a single day for the first time ever. So all I can say is thank you all so much for continuing to tune in and for continuing to spread the word about the podcast. My birthday is actually next week. I didn't uh, say anything previously, but my birthday is actually next week. And y'all gave me the absolute best early birthday present I could possibly ask for this year. So please keep sharing the content so we can continue this positive momentum. And thank you so much again for continuing to tune in to the Jeffersonian tradition. And all right, with all that stuff out of the way, let's go ahead and dig in on today's topic. So we're going to be reading about a Florida landlord. And this is an excerpt from a story that was ran in the Sun Sentinel. And this story was actually published back on September 5th. So it's been about a month now. But the reason I want to talk about this is because this idea is kind of starting to gain some traction now. And it's going to lead to an ugly, ugly future um, if it's allowed to grow unchecked. So that's why I wanted to bring it to your guys' attention. And we're going to talk about this. And then what I'm going to do is actually provide some commentary from people who are still dying on the sword of Ancapistan for libertarianism. And with that, I guess another somewhat major announcement. Um, as of this show, consider me no friend of libertarianism anymore. I, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to be associated with the label. I think it has failed. And I think as practiced currently, it's going to end up doing much more harm than good. We'll do some episodes on my critiques of the libertarian position. 
But this episode specifically, we're going to focus on this landlord, and then we're going to have some input from real-life libertarians that I've encountered online. So without further ado, here we go. Uh, So this is, again, an excerpt from an article in the Sun Sentinel. It says, if you're not vaccinated for COVID-19, you can forget about moving into any of eight apartment complexes in Broward and Miami-Dade counties owned by Santiago A. Alvarez and his family. And if you're still unvaccinated when it comes time to renew your lease, you'll have to find someplace else to live. Alvarez, who controls 1,200 units in the two counties, is the first large-scale landlord known to national housing experts to impose a vaccine requirement not only for employees, but also for tenants. They'll be required to produce documentation that they've received at least an initial vaccine dose. The policy, which took effect on August 15th, could set Alvarez's company on a collision course with Governor Ron DeSantis' vaccine passport ban, which prohibits businesses from requiring that customers be vaccinated. And yet the landlord might have exposed a loophole in the governor's ban, forcing courts to decide whether a tenant is equivalent to a customer. Alvarez says he's not backing down. Signs posted at the leasing offices of his apartment complexes spell out the policy along with the words, Zero Tolerance. We have to be concerned about our tenants and our employees, Alvarez said in an interview. All of these are private properties. We're just trying to keep people safe and healthy. It's going to cost us money, but we're very firm on that. Alvarez said 12 to 15 of his tenants, most of whom lived at his properties in Hialeah, have died of COVID-19 and a larger number have gotten sick. We don't want that happening to any more of our tenants, he said. In Broward County, Alvarez owns three complexes in Lauder Hill, Royal Palms at Lauder Hill, and Inverary Village on Northwest 56th Avenue, just south of West Oakland Park Boulevard, and Park West Apartments on Northwest 46th Avenue. Outside of Royal Palms at Lauder Hill, tenants voiced differing opinions about the policy. I think people should get the shot, said a young woman who declined to give her name. But a man who said he was vaccinated said Alvarez is overstepping his bounds. That should be illegal, he said of the policy. You can't force people to do what they don't want to do. After they learned about the new policy, two tenants who, didn't, who don't plan to get vaccinated contacted local eviction defense attorneys about potentially challenging the policy in court. And then we're going to skip some of this article, but the rest of the gist of this, there's a defense attorney. His name is Brian Corte. And he is an eviction defense attorney, so we're just going to see what he thinks about this. So the question posed is, is it good for public health? And Corte says, allowing landlords to bar unvaccinated applicants and refuse to renew leases of existing tenants who won't get vaccinated undermines the goals of keeping people in their homes and off of the streets where they would be more likely to spread the virus. That was the justification provided by federal, state, and local officials for eviction moratoriums imposed as the pandemic began, he said. Corte also said that black people, because they are more likely to resist getting vaccinated, could be denied housing in disproportionate numbers if Alvarez's policy becomes standard practice everywhere. Courts have found that some housing policies, such as a blanket ban on convicted felons, can be discriminatory if they are more likely to affect people of certain races, sexes, religions, or other protected classes. Where does it end, Corte said? Where will non-vaccinated people live? A slum? And then another man commented on this or was reached out to for this. His name is David Dworkin, president and CEO of the National Housing Conference, a nonprofit organization that promotes affordable housing. 
And he said that Alvarez's policy is the first and hopefully the last of its kind that he's heard about. And he said, quote, when requiring vaccinations for employment, there's a broad agreement that it serves the health and safety of workers, end quote, Workin said. But in the case of people's homes, when the rise of the Delta variant requires people to both work from home and stay at home more, putting people at risk of losing their home or doubling up with others or becoming homeless is not a responsible public health approach. A more effective tool, Dworkin said, would be to strictly enforce masking and social distancing in common areas of apartment complexes. Threatening people's homes, he said, seems just cruel and ineffective. So that's it from the Sun Sentinel story, but I want to read to y'all another excerpt. This is going to come from the Washington Post. They actually reached out to Santiago Alvarez for direct comment. And before I read this, I want y'all to understand that in my opinion, at least, COVID has completely short-circuited whatever small amount of critical thinking skills that people had left. And you have people putting policies like this in place, and, and they actually think they're doing a public service, or they think that they're a hero. And, and again, these comments from Santiago are going to prove that. So just keep that in mind as we read through these comments directly from Santiago. And now, this man, just so y'all know too more about him, he's actually 80 years old and he thinks he has a duty or a right to make this decision for people who are basically at his mercy in terms of their current housing. So for whatever the contract period is, hey, it is what it is in, in his mind. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and read what he had to say. So again, this is from the Washington Post. It says, after recovering from COVID-19 earlier this year, recently losing two friends from virus complications and learning that at least a dozen of his tenants have died of the illness, Alvarez, who owns about 1,200 units in Broward and Miami-Dade counties, said he is not willing to compromise the health of his vaccinated employees and tenants for those unwilling to get immunized. It very much upsets me that my employees are exposed to COVID-19 all days of the week because there is someone who does not want to get vaccinated, Alvarez 80 told The Post. If you don't want to get vaccinated, I have the obligation and the duty to protect my workers and tenants. And then the article goes on to say, when vaccines were not yet widely available in the United States, Alvarez said it was difficult to learn of a tenant dying from the virus, though in a way it felt inevitable. But all of that changed, Alvarez said, when vaccines were approved and people could choose to protect themselves and members of their communities. By early August, Alvarez said he'd had enough of DeSantis's comments and orders against vaccine and mask mandates. So he drafted the policy and issued letters to his nearly 70 employees, giving them until August 15th to get the first dose of the vaccine or face termination. Two declined to get vaccinated and walked away from the job, Alvarez said. Then he sent tenants a letter encouraging them to get immunized as soon as possible. New tenants, the letter stated, must also show proof of vaccination as of August 15th. Those wishing to renew their leases were told to do the same. You don't want to get vaccinated? You have to move, Alvarez told the Post. And if you don't move, one must move forward with eviction. And he added, it's a lack of consideration for your neighbor. It's a lack of consideration to their own families, to their children. Alvarez said most of his tenants and employees have praised him for putting the policy in place. And one of his tenants, her name is Jasmine Irby. So Jasmine, whose lease ended on August 31st, vacated the premises at the end of the month and moved in with her brother. And she had this to say, no one wants to live anywhere where they are not wanted. If that's the case, I might as well get out. It was just best that I walked away. So this is a very heavy topic and 
just amongst all the excerpts that we had, there there's a good bit there that needs to be unpacked. So what I'm going to do first is kind of give you what the typical anarcho-capitalist perspective on this would be. And it's it's all going to be based around property rights. This particular argument, it, it would all be based around property rights. So first, you must recognize you don't have a right to your landlord's property. Again, this is coming from the anarcho-capitalist perspective. Since you don't own the apartment complex or the room that you're renting, you don't have a right to your landlord's property. And similarly, you don't have a right to a job if you're an employee or a product if you're a customer. Again, you don't own the means of production. You don't own the company that gave you the job. So you don't have a right to the product or to the job itself. And contract law must be upheld as long as both parties give willing consent. And then the last point, it's, I, I'm being a little bit flippant with this, but the, the gist of what I'm about to say is, is accurate. So the last point would be, oh, free market, bro. Other landlords are just going to cater to the unvaxxed people who will be displaced. It's all going to work itself out. And to prove to y'all that I'm not oversimplifying or caricaturing libertarians, here is a response to me in one of the libertarian social media circles that I run in. It says, quote, property rights rule in a libertarian culture. You got it. The landlord can write anything into a contract he desires, and a potential tenant would be a dumbass to sign a contract that required disclosure of medical information. It's a two-way street. There are other places to live with other contracts or no contracts at all. And a landlord in a libertarian society culture seeking medical disclosure would probably have a lot of vacancies. Life is full of options and opportunities, especially when there is no state. And by state, this person is talking about government at any level, state government, municipal government, federal government, so on and so forth. If someone does not want the hassle of a landlord, become a private landowner and trade in a life of privilege for a life of rights. End quote. And for context on that, I put forward my position in this particular circle that state governments should bring the hammer down against this type of behavior on the part of landlords. And then I also made a sarcastic comment about property rights being the only consideration that seems to matter. And that, that was his response. And uh, we had a little bit more of a dialogue back and forth, and it, it was not productive, so I just stopped responding. But what does this person fail to understand? Well, he totally, totally fails to understand. We do not live in Ancapistan. We do not live in a perfect world. We do not live in a world of no government. As much as some people may desire that, that is not the world we have. We live in a concrete world that does have companies joined at the hip with government. There is a lot of corruption in the U.S. economy. I will be the first person to say that even now. You have companies and corporations of all sizes and all types, be it a mega corporation like Walmart or be it this little Joe Blow landlord who lord their authority over people who rely on them for certain goods or services. And they use the force of the government to try to make the people who rely on them do mostly what they want them to do. So it's a lot of social engineering and it's sick. So this person who made this comment, they totally fail to understand, we're not living in your head. We are not living in your head. 
Sure, the human psyche is a very powerful thing. I understand that. And we can conceive of all different types of ways that things could be. But in the short term, and probably in the long term, because libertarianism has been bandied about for quite a number of years now. I actually think the party officially got its start back in the 70s. It's not made any meaningful impact. So we are not living in the world as they think it should be. We are living in the world as it is. And how do we fight this? That's the question that we need to be asking right now. Not how should things be, but how can we fight the tyranny, both public and private? How can we keep people from invading our bodies? And to that point, since Joe Mussolini's edicts on September 9th, approximately 30% of employers are reporting that they will begin requiring vaccines on threat of termination. And I just had an interview a couple of episodes ago with Crystal Methodist. She is one of the people who are going to be facing a potential job loss because her employer decided that they knew what was best for her body. Now, to my knowledge, these employers are given the same shield from liability as the vaccine manufacturer. So if you take the jab and you have an adverse event, you can't sue your employer, even if they told you you had to get it or get fired. That is a messed up world. That is a messed up situation. If they're going to force you to do something, then yes, they should absolutely have the accountability to say, if you have a bad outcome, don't worry about it. You will be taken care of. But they don't. Because all they care about is shielding themselves from liability, trying to maximize shareholder profits, and just, it's sick. They, they think that they know what's best for you. They are moral busybodies who are tyrannizing you and saying it's for your own good. And so they'll never stop because they truly do believe they're doing it for your own good. It is a sick, sick situation. Now, if landlords are allowed to get away with this too... How long until at least a significant minority of them are also requiring the same and given the same immunity from liability? I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see thousands, probably tens or hundreds of thousands of people potentially homeless because some petty tyrant who owns an apartment complex thought that they were God and knew what was best for your body. I don't want to see that. But again, libertarians are A-OK with that because property rights, bro. Get your head out of your ass and understand the implications of this. How long until they completely freeze you out of participating in the economy, period? There's already some talk about trying to ban people from domestic flights if they're not vaccinated. Now, thank God they haven't actually tried to do anything with that yet. But there is talk out there. This is something that people are considering. Your enemies are A-OK using power and violence against you. It is not enough to sit there and try to preach the non-aggression principle and think that you can win enough hearts and minds in the short term to prevent this. It's not enough. You've been trying it for almost 60 years. It's not enough. Now is the time that we organize and we fight. My preferred method is through the state governments because it's going to take power to check power. And if you have at least a, a state government that's willing to stand up for its citizens, you have a pretty strong infrastructure there. But that does include cracking down on the private tyrannizers as well. No more petty tyrants. No more private tyrants. You, you cannot do this to people. And I've asked this question so many times on this show now. At what point does a person's property rights over an apartment building trump a tenant's rights over their body? At what point? 
when when you have a conflict of, of property rights, who gets to determine that? What 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 is the legal system going to do? Even in Ankapistan, if you have private arbitration, what is that role? Where do we go? Who who wins that argument? Somebody who says, "Well, I have a right to this cash register because I own the building that it sits in." Or somebody who says, I have ownership rights over my person and you will not make me do this. How does that get resolved? And to the commenters comment about this being a two-way street, what what part of the current system is a two-way street or is the two-way street that he's asserting? None of it. None of it. Because there's such a thing as leverage. And when one side has almost all of the leverage, so let's say, for example, if... There's 10 apartment complexes in a town, and I just so happen to own seven of them. What happens if I say for my seven, get the jabber, get evicted? What leverage does the tenant have to try to counterbalance me? Now, granted, you're not always going to be able to guarantee equality of outcomes, and I actually think that's a really bad goal to pursue. But should it be so one-sided Honest question. Should it be so one-sided that one side can basically dictate the terms and say, look, regardless of how bad this contract is, if you don't want to end up out in the streets, you're going to sign it. So sign it or get out. And look, again, that's where we have to ask ourselves, do we want this type of society? I do not. Where people are not used to wielding power, and so therefore when they get it, they abuse it atrociously. I do not want that type of society. That's where we're headed, and it sucks, but that is not what I want. But see, where libertarianism breaks down is where so many of them will be willing to say, yes, even though you own seven, it's not a monopoly because there's at least three other complexes who are competing against you. Okay, now if I have that much of a market influence, what's the chances the other guy's going to do the same thing? Pretty strong. Pretty strong. And if you think that I'm wrong in that and you want to say, well, no, no, because that's going to be a market opportunity because now they're going to have 50% increase in clientele. No, no, that is not how corporate behavior has revealed itself to be. It has a very nasty habit of becoming similar, if not uniform. And so if I do it, and I get away with it, then the other person in town or the other game in town, they're probably going to consider something very similar to what I did first. So we have to nip this in the bud. Again, private tyranny is still tyranny. And especially in a situation like this, when we now know beyond all doubt that the vaccines are not sterilizing. So in other words, they do not prevent contraction or transmission of the virus. And again, I'm going to pose this question, even from a property rights perspective, why does a landlord's property right over a building trump the individual's right to determine what goes into their own body? Would we be so willy-nilly and staunch in our defense of a landlord who required sexual favors for a tenant to get the accommodation? It's the same thing. Put this in you or you're out. I don't want to get too graphic on the show, but you know what I'm talking about. So I ask you again, what role should arbitration play in this scenario in Ankapistan? In the real world, what role should the courts play? Should they always shield to the biggest fish? I don't think so personally. 
And for clarity's sake, I do think that there are legitimate arguments in favor of very strong property rights, but I also realize it could never, ever be absolute. You can never have absolute property rights because as I mentioned on a previous episode, even the most radical ANCAPs understand you don't have a right to murder someone on your property just because it's private. And from their perspective, that would be because it violates the non-aggression principle or the NAP. But see, now we need to understand and start asking the question, okay, what constitutes aggression? If I am a tenant and I have been paying my rent and I've never defaced any of your property, how is it not aggression for you to kick me out based on a vaccination status when you don't have that authority to make that decision for me? I've yet to get a good answer to that. And in my opinion, there can be no moral justification for the landlord to intrude this grotesquely into the private lives of their tenants and threatening to toss them out on the streets. And again, I've yet to get a good counter to this. Now, to Santiago's point about endangering others, as of the time of this recording, VAERS is reporting over 15,600 vaccine-related deaths. And the vaccines, again, are not sterilizing. I'm going to keep hammering that home. They are not sterilizing. We know that for an absolute fact now. They do not stop transmission, and they do not stop contraction. And aside from death, the vaccines have also been linked to pretty serious side effects. There's been some neurological stuff, uh, some some nerve issues. You've had people reporting Guillain-Barre syndrome, uh, excuse me, syndrome, all kinds of stuff. Very nasty side effects being reported from this. And so, Santiago, my question to you is, what portion of medical bills are you going to step up and pay for any of your tenants who may have an adverse reaction to the jab? Oh, none? Okay. And Santiago also said that this was about protecting families. So my next question is, what about the families who may end up homeless because of your gross abuse of your authority? I'm assuming to you those families don't matter because I'm sure when you start tossing people out if the state of Florida lets you do this, that you're probably going to end up a victim people who have kids. Who knows? You may end up a victim, a single mother who has two or three kids. How is that okay? Do, do their lives not matter as much as the other people that you're choosing to favor? And as far as the workers who praised you, Let's not forget that you pay them, so what are the odds? They're going to tell you anything that you want to hear so long as the paychecks keep coming. I Honestly, I don't know how this man sleeps at night with this decision, and he feels justified in making it. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up, and folks, we are staring down what is looking to be an unbelievably ugly path. Do we want a society where people can be completely excluded for refusing to inject an experimental substance in their bodies? I don't. And if you go back to the civil rights era, clearly a lot of people didn't think it was a good thing to exclude people based on skin color. So it's also high time to understand that private tyranny is indeed still tyranny. And to quote Uncle Ben from the Spider-Man universe, with great power comes great responsibility. And these companies and these petty tyrant landlords are abusing that power relentlessly, specifically to limit liability and because they are moral busybodies who think they are tyrannizing you for your own good. So they're abusing their authority and then seeking legal protection to get away from the responsibility that that entails. 
And guys, please remember, if you find value in the podcast to consider contributing to the show, you can contribute on a recurring basis through the supporting listener link in the show notes page, or you can make a one-time contribution by using the show's cash app information, which is also included in that show notes page. Any contribution amounts help, and thank you again to everyone in advance who decides to do so. And also, please consider downloading the MeWe app and joining the show's private MeWe group so we can have more sane and rational discussion around historical and current political issues. And all right, with another episode in the books, thank you again for tuning in, and I will talk to you all next time.